Thank you, Kent and Barbara, for our songs this morning. Welcome to those of you joining us on live stream. Of course, this is January 1, our morning service at our church. We're glad that uh, you've joined us today. I hope that you will continue to do that throughout the year. We will not have an evening uh, service tonight so that you won't uh, be able to tune in uh, tonight, but normally we do on Sunday morning and Sunday night. We're in Psalm 121 today. Uh, we're going to get back to our study in 2 Corinthians next week, but uh, today being uh, New Year's Day, I thought Psalm 121 is a great place for us to be encouraged as we begin the new year. I have a new year resolution for you, okay? Here's, here's the new year resolution. I will seek more help from the Lord this year. I will seek more help from the Lord this year, and I will rely less on my own strength. And I think that's what Psalm 121 is going to say to us and one of the things that we need. Why do we need that this year? Well, this year will be a challenging year to many people and perhaps to you too. We know that uh, economy is not real good. That means some people are uh, going through a hard time now and, and may uh, more this year. We're in the midst of a moral revolution in our country, and there are a lot of uh, things that we have to face and challenges that we have, just the apostasy of the age in which we live in. So it's a challenging year, but secondly, it's a year of opportunity. Uh, there is great missionary work being done right now around the world and in some of the toughest places of the world. Uh, I could take out my phone and read a long email I got from one of our missionaries in Kiev, Ukraine, who had a bomb explode right over their house, and it literally shook their house, uh, and yet they're having service this morning in their church right there in that neighborhood. A lot of people uh, having it worse than we have it. And so there, and yet there are people being saved there and uh, around the world in those tough areas. You need to be a Bible witness this year, don't you? There, there are opportunities for you and, and more uh, as we go through these years in which we live for us to speak the truth biblically and about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And of course, we all need to grow this year too. This is a year of spiritual conflict, I believe. Uh, Satan is busy. He's doing his work. He's planning for the end times. There is uh, a casting off, you might say, of the use of the Bible, of the church, of, the, of biblical doctrine, and those things uh, challenge us, and those are spiritual conflicts. Satan wants to sift you as wheat, as Jesus said to Peter, uh, and he wants to do that with each of us, and we need to be careful. But fourthly, Jesus may come. Uh, this may be the year. Uh, when we're snatched up to be to meet him in the air, and that could be today or it could be sometime this year or it might not be, but are you ready for that? So Psalm 121 will help us uh, to get our minds and hearts in the right place. Now, I want you to look at it as you're looking at your page here, and uh, I want you to notice something that there's a title on the top of this psalm, and it says either, in your version, a song of degrees or a song of ascents. I'm reading the New King James here, so I have a song of ascents. 
Well, these 15 psalms begin in number 120. So if you look back up above, you'll see the first one, a song of degrees or ascents, and they'll go all the way through 134. So there are 15 of these songs of ascents. Now, evidently, what this means is that the Jewish people would every year travel to the feast days in Jerusalem, and these are songs, evidently, that they sang as they were traveling to Jerusalem to the feast days to go up to the house of the Lord. And it was kind of a, a, a joyous thing. We know that they went in family groups. You remember when Jesus was 12 years old and Mary and Joseph took him to the temple and they thought he was among the crowd, but he was still uh, back in the city. Well, that was kind of how they traveled, for protection and just for fellowship and uh, uh, because of families and the rest. So here they are traveling uh, from up north, uh, maybe in Galilee, maybe farther up than that, and they're headed toward Jerusalem. It's going to take a while, but they're going to worship the Lord. They're going to the house of the Lord. I want you to notice a few verses in these uh, songs of ascent. Look at 122 and verses 1 and 2. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. You can see their, their, their longing and their thrill to be in the Lord's house. In 132 and verses 13 and 14, it reads, For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his habitation. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. And here's this Jewish traveler looking to the house of the Lord saying, This is where I long to be. And look at 134. It's uh, one of those short psalms in the, in, the, uh, in the word. Behold, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who by night stand in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. The Lord who made heaven and earth bless you from Zion. And that closes the, the songs of ascent. We ought to ask ourselves, do we have this much anticipation and joy when we come to the house of the Lord? Or are you saying, uh-oh, here we go again, it's Sunday, we've got to go to church one more time. Or do you, do you come with joy in your heart and you come looking forward to it? I, I remember the days when, when I was a teenager and the Lord first got a hold of my heart and I had to drive quite a ways. It was about 40 miles. This is in Ohio, 40 miles to church. And uh, I finally had a driver's license so I could go on my own. And, and I loved to go. And I remember going, traveling to church and it would take an hour, you know, to drive it. I went, took the country roads and I knew all the, the turns and all of that. And uh, I, I would stay down there all day and then drive home at night after the evening service at, at, at night. And I just remember that joy of the Lord getting a hold of my heart. I wanted to serve him. I wanted to be in his house. I wanted to be with God's people. You notice verse 8 of our text will say, The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this day forward. Well, uh, my going and my coming was a joy, and I hope it is for you too in the Lord's house. So what is our resolution? Well, I will seek more help from the Lord. You're going to notice that in this psalm that it is the Lord who helps us, the Lord who keeps us, the Lord who preserves us, and we need to believe and see those things. So follow, if, 
uh, with me, if you will. If you have a bulletin in your hand, you see an outline uh, there in your bulletin. You can turn it over and follow. And if you're watching on the screen, you see it uh, to the left of your screen. There are actually four couplets, so to speak, in this psalm. We might call them four verses. And, and my study Bible has them broken up into the first two verses, then the next two verses, then the next two, and the next two. So there are four couplets. Yours might be divided up that way. So we're taking these as four different thoughts or four different kinds of help that come from the Lord. All right. First of all, verses 1 and 2. We get help from our Creator. These are familiar verses, but let me read them to you again. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I don't know if you can see these travelers coming down probably the, the Jericho uh, uh, Valley by, by the, the, the river, and they're going to come down to Jericho, and uh, then they're going to turn, and they're going to go up toward Jerusalem. I've, I've done that trip once myself. Maybe, maybe you have if you were ever in, in Israel. And uh, you come down, uh, you travel for a long way. You finally get down to Jericho, uh, and the Jordan River comes from all the way from the Sea of Galilee down past Jericho and into the Dead Sea. You're, you're below sea level there. Uh, even at this time of the year, it's pretty warm down there. Jericho's like an oasis in the desert. It's a, it's a stop where things grow and there are palm trees and there are, are fountains and so forth. But then you have to turn and you have to go up a pretty steep incline up to Jerusalem that sits up on the hill. And so here are these travelers and they're coming down to this low place and yet they're going up there to where Jerusalem is. And so for that, perhaps that's why you have here, I will lift up my eyes to the hills, and then that's where I'm going to worship. That's where I'm going to go. I want you to notice, though, that uh, some versions have a question mark after verse 1, and some don't. You remember, and you know anyway, that, that the original languages did not have all of the punctuation marks. So uh, a question mark has to be assumed or asserted, and so some see this as a question, and some see it as a statement, and different translations will have it different ways. If you take it as a statement, it's not a bad statement. I, I will lift up mine eyes uh, and to the hills, because up there is where Jerusalem is. Up there is where God dwells, and I will I will praise the Lord for his mountains and his creation and all that he has done. I, I don't know about you, but I've often done that. Uh, you look at a sunrise or a sunset and you say, praise the Lord for what you make. Praise the Lord for being my creator. It could be a statement like that. But most take it as a question mark. And that is, okay, I'm looking up at the hills, but is that where my help comes from? There is a great verse in Jeremiah 3.23, if you're writing down cross-references here. Jeremiah 3.23 says, Truly in vain is salvation hoped from the hills and from the multitude of mountains. Truly in the Lord our God is the salvation of Israel. And so that was understood too. And so it, he may look at the hills, he may look at the beauty of God's creation and all the things that are, that are there for us to admire and enjoy. And then we stop and say, yes, but I worship the creator of all of these things. 
not just the hills and not just the sunsets and not just the beauty. I worship the one who made these things. And so we worship the creator, don't we? I want you to, to hold your place here and go back to Psalm 46 with me real quick, if you will. Let me remind you of these great words. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, was Martin Luther's uh, psalm that he wrote, A Mighty Fortress is Our God from. This was his inspiration for that, for that psalm. But notice these first three verses in Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, excuse me, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea and though its waters roar and be troubled and though the mountains shake with its swelling. God is my refuge and strength. And I think it's in that vein that the writer of 121 probably uh, probably David, is uh, saying, no, I will, I will worship the creator of all of these things. You want to walk close to God, don't you? Don't you uh, here at the beginning of the year and you're looking at your own life and you're looking at your walk with the Lord and yet you know things are, are filled with trouble. You know that there's trouble ahead and yet you look to this world and you see the things of this world and the world is full of trouble and you've got troubles and, and they seem to keep coming your way and you wonder to yourself, where does my help come from? Is the Lord really helping me? You look to all of these people. You know, today we have so many avenues you can look to for help, right? Uh, and so many voices out there speaking to us. I had to change a headlight on my daughter's car this week who drove in from Georgia without a headlight. I had to watch three different videos, find out how to change a headlight on a car now. You know, I've been doing that all my life, but uh, everything's different. And, well, there's so many voices out there you can listen to that would help you, so many things that you can read, and, and we all do it, and there's so many people wanting to offer you answers. Be sure you turn to the Lord. And not just follow people, not just follow men, not just follow voices or, or uh, podcasts or whatever. Be sure that you follow the Lord. That's where your help will come from. John Bunyan wrote Pilgrim's Progress. You remember that name? This was in the 1600s in England. Uh, by the way, I, wa I wanted us to sing Amazing Grace today, and I forgot because on this day, 250 years ago today, was the first day that anyone sung Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. John Newton wrote it, and it was done on this day 250 years ago today. Well, not far from there, John Bunyan lived. And he, he was in jail for 12 years for preaching the gospel and suffered uh, at the hands of his persecutors for 12 years. But while he was in that jail, he wrote Pilgrim's Progress. Sometimes out of those tough times uh, come good things. Well, that's his greatest book, but a little book that I've always enjoyed from Bunyan is called Advice to Sufferers. Just a small little book, Advice to Sufferers. You can get this for free online. And in it, he, as someone who knew what suffering was about, who knew how to suffer, referred to 1 Peter 4.19 as his main text for that book. And 1 Peter 4.19 says this, Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to Him in doing good as to a faithful Creator. 
In other words, Bunyan said, if you have to suffer and if you have to go through difficult times in your life, then turn to the Creator. You know why? He said, because the Creator can do anything. He can create, He can uncreate. He can make, He can unmake. He can make the circumstances the way He wants. And if you're uh, about to suffer or in the midst of trials and hard times, then turn to the one who can make all of those things. So help comes from a creator, we're told, first of all, in this psalm. Secondly, we need to seek help from a knower. So notice in verse 3, he, and let me put this footnote in here now. Those who, who exegete these things very carefully, I just read them and pass it on to you, you know. Those who do this, notice that now from verse 3 to the end of this psalm, you'll have the he and the you, those two pronouns. He, now referring back to God the Creator, and you uh, who are a traveler. You're the one traveling, and God is going to help you. And so now you have he and you throughout the rest of this psalm. So he will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. I say knower because I believe here that what he's saying is God is omniscient. God never sleeps. God never takes time out. God never looks away and doesn't notice. He knows you all the time. He is, he is with you every moment. There's no time when he's sleeping or disconnected. He knows everything. That's a great thing. Now, I like the word foot here because travelers have to rely on their foot, right? I mean, they, they, they walked 40, 50 miles took a few days to, to travel from where they were coming from all the way to Jerusalem, and, and now they're going to have to go up that steep hill up, uh, up to uh, Jerusalem from Jericho, and it's a long way up. And, and uh, by the way, there are robbers and thieves in those mountain passes. I traveled it once on a bus, and that was bad enough. I'd hate to have to walk it. You remember Jesus gave a parable of a man that went from Jerusalem down to Jericho and fell among thieves. Remember that? Well, that's because that's where thieves dwelt in these mountain passes, and you could get robbed very easily. And so you had to climb up that mountain pass. I'll not allow your foot to be moved. I'll watch over you. I'll, I'll protect you. And I've said this often, but you notice in your Bible as you read through it how many times the word walk appears. Our walk before the Lord, used as, a, as an analogy, uh, is the important thing in our lives. We need to walk circumspectly. We need to walk worthily. We need to walk in love. There's so many references to how we walk. And, and you know, when you just think of yourself walking, uh, there's a lot of things that have to be done, and yet we hardly even think about it. You have to put one foot in front of the other. You have to have the strength to do it. You have to have a certain balance. Uh, you have to know where you're going, after all. Uh, you have to keep your eyes open. You have to keep your eyes looking ahead. So many things that go on when we walk, we don't even think about it. And so many things when we try to walk with the Lord, we're not always remembering, we're not always thinking, but they're there. And God is always the knower. He's all, he, he never sleeps. He never slumbers. He's always helping you to do this. But you know... He doesn't slumber or sleep because he sees, and he sees everything. Notice again, 
Uh, he who keeps you will not slumber. He doesn't go to sleep. Do, do you have to ask if God's awake when you pray? <laughs> do you wake up in the middle of the night and, and pray to the Lord and wonder if he's awake? No, you know uh, that that's not so. Well, you know what? God sees us always too. Let me remind you of a few things. First of all, he, he sees us in our sin, doesn't he? He knows when we sin. How many verses are like this? Psalm 90, verse 8. You have set our iniquities before you. Our secret sins are in the light of your countenance. What we think is secret in our lives is in the light of God's open light, the light of God's open countenance in heaven. We ought to understand that he knows our sins also. Not only that, he knows our needs 1 Peter 3.12 says, The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. Isn't that a great thing? His ears are open to our prayers all the time. His eyes are upon us. The, the idea there, uh, by the way, that, that uh, he, he, uh, his eyes are over the righteous is kind of a, uh, an analogy of someone, you know, putting your hand to your eyes and looking over or putting your hand to your ears. You remember seeing somebody do that. It's kind of like, what? I'm listening to you. And God does that to us, and he's listening to our prayers and everything that we do. And God knows our ways. Let me read Proverbs 3, 21 to 26, about how we walk. Proverbs 3, 21. My son, let them not depart from your eyes. That's God's commands. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, so they will be life to your soul and grace to your neck. Then you will walk safely in your way, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you uh, uh, rise, you will not be afraid. When your sleep will be sweet to you. Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. If you'll just trust in him, he will keep you that way. You notice at the end of this verse, by the way, in verse 4, Behold, he who keeps Israel should neither slumber nor sleep. And I put an emphasis on there on the word Israel. You know why? Because in the first part, he that keeps you will not slumber. You know why? Because God's a God of covenant mercy and grace. Does God not have a covenant with Israel? And has God ever broken his covenants? If God has promises to Israel, which he has kept and he will yet keep in the future, why won't he then keep uh, you in the same way? And I think that's the comparison. If God keeps these great covenants, that we have in the scripture, don't you think he will keep you from stumbling also? I think so. So God is our knower. I've referred to you a Robert Frost poem sometime about the road not taken. And I like that old poem because Robert Frost uh, talks about two roads that are going off into the woods. And he comes to an intersection in his life and he says, two roads diverge in a yellow wood. I would like to be able to go down both and be two travelers, but I can't. i got to go one way or the other. Do I go to the right or I go to the left? Life is full of these junctions in the road. Your life is full of them. 
and you'll have to decide, do I go this way or do I go that way? And, and Frost in this poem says, I stood and I looked down each way as far as I could see, but all I could see was a little ways down the road, and then it turned into the woods, and I couldn't see any farther. And I looked down this one, and it went down a little ways, and then it turned into the woods, and I couldn't see any farther. So he says, I just took one. and went. The, I took the one less traveled by. He says, but you know what we can do? We can take the one God wants us to have. Here's what I'm saying. God knows what's beyond that turn in the road, and you don't. We're praying and asking God, well, should I go this way or should I go this way? And, Lord, I can't see very far. I'm very limited in what I know and, and who I know and what might happen and what might not happen. And so, Lord, I don't know which way should I go. And that's when we say, Lord, uh, help me, because God sees it all. I, I, was, I thought of that because the other, the other morning I was praying, and I'm thinking to myself, Lord, I'm praying for my grandkids. You know, I go through this list, and I'm, I'm praying, and I'm saying, you know, she doesn't know what is beyond this decision, and neither do we. And then I said to myself, but God knows everything. God knows it all. He knows the ins and the outs and what lies beyond that curve. So, Lord, i got to leave this in your hand to direct, and you direct and do the best. And I think that's the way we should do it. Let me remind you of a, a verse in Romans 8, 26. You know verse 28, all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to his purpose, right? Well, in verse 26, the Spirit helps our weaknesses. And what he's saying there is, I don't know. And so he says, the Spirit helps our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. I don't know what's down there, Lord. I don't know which way to go. I don't know what turn to take. Then he says, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Put it in his hand. Let him interpret your prayers before the Father. And the Spirit and the Father will say, let's take him this way. That's where he needs to go. And then the apostle says, and all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Put it in his hands, walk that way, and that will be the best way to go. So seek help from the creator and seek help from the knower. Thirdly, seek help from the keeper. So now the third verse or the third couplet is five and six. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. God keeps Israel, yes, but what about me? Does he keep me? Yes, he does. Psalm 127, coming up uh, very shortly in the book here, says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain to build it. We try to keep our marriages, we try to keep our homes, we try to keep our family together, but unless the Lord builds it, then it's not going to be built. Uh, that's uh, who we need to trust. He is your keeper. He will be the shared shade on your right hand and on the left. So shade is important to travelers, is it not? Can you see these people walking down below sea level toward the Dead Sea, getting ready to go up uh, a mountain pass and climb all the way up there? And uh, uh, a shade, you know, the Bible often speaks of a rock being a shade. Just find a big rock somewhere that has a shadow casting on the other side of it. A little bit of shade to a traveler is a great thing. Well, here he is. 
and here you are walking, and you need shade, and sometimes you need sunlight. And you know what? The sun is a blessing and a curse when you're walking along like that, isn't it? It can be warm. It can, it can give you uh, the strength that you need. And yet sometimes we just need to shade from, from the sun itself. And so the right hand, notice uh, again verse 5, the Lord is your keeper, the shade at your right hand. In other words, you just have to keep doing the things that you need to be doing. You have to keep doing your work. You have to keep your right hand busy. You can't worry and sit and do nothing. You have to say, Lord, I've got things to do. I've got to keep going. And let him be the sunshine when you need sunshine. Let him be the shade when you need the shade. And you know what? Uh, the moon is a great thing, and the, and the sun is a great thing. One time, I had to walk to the bottom of the Grand Canyon and back up. And we were with a bunch of students, and uh, they were studying the geology of the canyon and all of that. And uh, it took us uh, about eight hours to walk from the top to the, to the Colorado River at the bottom. And the sun was great because we started out early in the morning, and, you know, it was frosty and cold, and we walked down in the sun and everything. We got to the bottom. Boy, we were sweating, and we were hot. And now we had to take about 10 hours to walk back up out of the canyon. And you know what? The moon came up. And the moon was bright, and it was cool, and we walked all the way up in the moonlight. So sometimes you, you like the sun, sometimes you like the moon, but God will determine what you need at each point of your, of your journey. Individual Christians fail. They're harmed. Notice uh, th that he says the Lord is your keeper, and verse 7 is going to say he's going to preserve you. Does, does he really? Sometimes, sometimes we fail. Sometimes we get hurt. Sometimes we don't know exactly where the path is going. But even death isn't so bad. Even death, and Christians die, don't they? Does God not take care of them? He does. He takes care of them. And yet what happens at death? We go to heaven. What happens at death? Our, our journey's over. Uh, we don't need any more sun. We don't need any more moon. When that time comes, uh, we're great to go. So God knows what you need. He knows when you need light and energy. He knows when you need shade and quiet. And uh, how does that happen in your life? Let, let me encourage you this way. There are moments of illumination, like the sunlight that comes on. There are, there are times when you just need the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart and say, yes, that's right. I'm reading that in your word. Yeah, that's what I need. Or maybe you're praying and you're asking God for direction. And, and I, I know that we don't get uh, visions and prophecies. I'm just saying that sometimes just the light comes on, right? It's just that illumination that, that comes from the Holy Spirit. You say, that's what I needed today. Thank you, Lord, for that. And if you'll seek the Lord and seek his help, that's what will happen when those times come. And then there are just those moments of moonlight, I call them, peace and rest. There's been conflict. You've been awake at night. You've been worried about something. And the Lord just brings that calmness over you and say, Lord, it's in your hands. I'm okay with what you do. I'm okay with, with putting my hands uh, or, or putting myself in your hands. You do what you want with me. There's a times of, of illumination and there's times of rest. And we need both of those. Let me go to my last point. We need to seek help from the preserver, verses eight or seven and eight. 
The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. The Lord shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth even forevermore. Does the Lord preserve you from all evil? As I said a minute ago, not always. Life isn't just a bowl of cherries, right? It's not just a comfort. As a matter of fact, Derek Kidner in his commentary says, it does not imply a cushioned life, but a well-armed life. <laughs> you know, uh, you're not going to just get a cushy chair to sit in all of your life with no problems and no trials, but God's always going to give you a well-armed chair. He's going to give you something to support you. And so, though it may be uh, that uh, some evil comes the believer's way, that's life, isn't it? But you know, when you trust in the Lord, it really doesn't matter how God takes you. He's got you there for a purpose. He's got you there to serve him in that difficult situation. And he's teaching you things through that difficult situation. Notice then he says, the Lord shall preserve you from evil. He shall preserve your soul. Spurgeon said it this way, God is the soul keeper of the soul. S-O-L keeper of the S-U or S-O-U-L. God is the sole keeper of your soul. What does a man give in exchange for his soul? Have you ever known somebody that just walked away from God altogether and walked away from his conviction and sold his soul? The Bible, Jesus said, what, is, what would you give in exchange for your soul? What would you want in this life uh, and, and, and give your soul away eternally for that? I'm going to walk this way because I want these things in life. And the devil take my soul? Really? Talk about a statement of unbelief. What, what, would, a, what would you give in this life and yet give away your soul for eternity? That's what, that's what uh, Jesus was asking. And yet, I think that the great thing is no one can take your soul from you. When God is the keeper of your soul, what can you go through in this life that takes your soul nothing that's what martyrs knew when they went to the flames and they went to the the wild animals they knew that you can take this body you can kill this body but you can't do a thing to this soul all you're doing is sending me home to heaven nothing can take your soul no temptation can take your soul nothing can can rob you of that and notice the following expression the lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in no matter what you have to go through. The, and I think, you know, to a traveler, that, that was a reference to home. Uh, you could stay home and never travel. No, you need to do what's in your right hand to do. He'll, he'll preserve you when you go out. He'll be watching you when you leave and go on your journey. And he'll be watching you when you come back home again. Both of those directions, he'll be watching you. You can't lose your soul God is your safe refuge, just like home is your safe refuge. I came across this statement by Spurgeon, too, and I like to read him on the Psalms. He's a, he's a great writer in this way. He said, Jehovah will keep the door so long as there is left a single man that trusteth in him, as long as a danger survives, and in fact, as long as time endures. He will keep you when you go out and when you come in. That, that is a great promise. So let me emphasize this here at the end. Your soul 
if you know the Lord Jesus Christ is eternally secure. God doesn't take it back from you. God gives you eternal life, and once he gives you eternal life, you have it eternally. It's eternal life. A great word in the New Testament, we're studying this in our Wednesday night Bible studies, is the word kept. He keeps us. Listen to 1 Peter 1.5. You are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. 2 Timothy 1.12. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he's able to what? Keep that which I have committed to him against that day. 1 John 5, 18, who has been born of God keeps him, and the wicked one cannot touch him. And so God keeps us. And if you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior, then you are kept by the power of God and by his sovereign control. And so, bless the Lord for that. Uh, he will not only preserve you from all evil, he shall keep your soul, and he will keep you in the going out and the coming in. Let me read you one more thing. Old Matthew Henry, that old Puritan from the 1600s, said this, He will keep thee in life and death. Thy going out uh, and going on while thou livest, and thy coming in when thou diest, going out to thy labor in the morning of thy days, and coming home to thy rest when the evening of old age calls thee in. Some of you I know are closer to that than others, and so God keeps you in the walk of life, and God keeps you in that hour of death. So this psalm is a great thing for us in the, in the day in which we live. So what was my resolution? What is it I said? I will seek more help from the Lord this year, and I will rely less on myself this year. You need to trust in the Lord for these things. You need to commit these things. Let him be the keeper of your soul. Do you have the Lord? Do you have the creator of all things? Do you have the knower of all things, the keeper and the preserver uh, of your soul? If not, you need to receive him today. He, he can keep your soul forever. Let him keep your life too. Let him keep your walk also through this uh, life until you come to the end. And he will keep you, and he will be a preserver to you. I want you to stand with me, if you will. Thank you for the time and reading of this great psalm. But let's go to the Lord in prayer, and let's ask as we sing a song before him that he'll speak to our hearts in the way that we need. Let's pray together. Father, your word is so wonderful. It's so great. And when we read it, Father, we know that we only skim over the top of the great depths of the truth and knowledge that is there. And so, Father, as we think of you as our creator, our keeper, the knower of our life, the preserver of our soul, it's hard for us to fathom how you can be such a great God to us. But we can, we can know what we know. We believe what your word says. We believe that if our soul is in your hands, no one is able to pluck us out of your hand. And so, Father, I pray, first of all, that on this first day of the year where the gospel is being preached not only here but around the world, that souls that don't know Christ as Savior might put their trust in him and be secure forever. And perhaps someone listening to the sound of my voice would do that even today. And then, Father, uh, as we begin a new year and, and we don't know the road ahead, we don't know much beyond today or tomorrow, 
but you know, and we know that you know. So, Father, help us to trust you and walk with you. And I pray, Father, uh, your blessing and your encouragement to us all. So, Father, as we sing, as we think about these things, we pray that you would speak to our hearts in the way that we need. Move us to decisions and to change and to do those things that would be pleasing in your sight. Bless as we do this and reflect on these words. We thank you for the encouragement of them. In Jesus' name, amen. We sing a song of invitation, and our invitation is open as we sing and even as our service is closed. So you sing this last hymn with us. You do what the Lord is moving you to do this morning. Kent, come ahead.